Will the real New York Rangers please stand up after a brutal road trip that saw them go 1-2-1, including a rough overtime loss to the San Jose Sharks? It's left many Ranger fans wondering, who are the real Rangers? Is it the team that we saw for the first 23 games that looked great? Or is it the team that's been pretty mediocre in the last 24? We try to answer that question. We also talk about a roster move that was made today and if there are moves coming in the future that are going to impact this team. We also dive into Brian Boyle's 2018 All-Star Game experience. It is a conversation that, believe me, you're not going to want to miss. All that and so much more on this episode of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. And it starts right now. Welcome back to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Hartz, and we are here. We're minus Molly. Molly is running around. She was in the West Coast. Now she's in the East Coast. Molly has a well-deserved day off here from the pod, but we'll hear from her soon, I'm sure. But as always, we're joined by the great Brian Boyle, and we're also joined by the great Larry Brooks. So uh, we have plenty, plenty, plenty to discuss today. Actually, it's good. Plenty of greatness. Plenty Plenty of greatness on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're bringing it today listen you got to bring out some greatness especially after the mediocrity that that we saw on the road trip here which uh, we'll get into a little bit thankfully we're not recording it the day after so the emotions have run down a little bit the rangers mediocre road trip one two one uh overtime loss against um you know i don't want to say they're a bad team but they're not a good team in the sharks um but there have been some developments that have taken place uh during practice today uh with the rangers so we're going to get into that right now most notably uh nick benino has been waived by the club um one of the things that larry you mentioned in your column is that um with the return of Phil Pedel, which that's a new development that we also saw from last week. Uh, Heedle's back with the club now uh, skating in a non-contact jersey. But you mentioned that there's going to have to be some moves made uh, in order to get Nick back with the squad. And it looks like the Benino move is one of the first to come. Um, s- surprised by that is, is you know, what, what could be happening next year? I am and I am not surprised. It, this was the move that the Rangers needed to make. Um, if if Heedle's coming back and it, it looks like he is fairly soon after the All-Star break, there are two games left now before the bye period in All-Star, Friday at home against Vegas, Saturday in Ottawa, then they're off um, for about 10 days. And I would expect that, that, that Heedle now that he's, it seems like he's ramping it up, that I, I would expect him to be cleared to for contact, to be cleared to play fairly soon after the schedule resumes. And so he's going to be the third line center. He's going to start as the third line center, which bumps everybody down. And you need to create a space for him in the lineup. You need to create a space for him on the roster. My only surprise is that this is something you know that it hurt Peter Laviolette to do. It hurt Chris Drury to do. It, it, it's it's difficult. I mean, Nick Benino is, is, has played almost 900 games in the NHL. He's, he's won a couple of cups. He's, he's a terrific teammate by all accounts. Um, he's a hard worker. There's nothing more you could want from Nick Minino, except if he were younger and faster and, and in his prime. And the Rangers simply have to get younger. They have to get faster. They have to get bigger. They have to get meaner. 
if they're going to compete in in the in the in the playoffs. You you have to make moves that are distasteful, and I'm sure this was a distasteful one. No one wants to put a veteran, you know, a veteran of Benino's stature on waivers. You don't. But it's part of the process. It's you know it's it's necessary to be done, and I think that'll be the you know it'll be the first of the, of a number of moves the Rangers make between now and the deadline, depending on on you know what happens to to predict. I don't know is 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 Heedle going to remain healthy? That's the that's an X factor. I mean you know who is moving to the wing? Can Blake Wheeler keep his spot? It looked like Wheeler Wheeler was skating again today with um, Kreider and Zibanejad. So this would be like you know the second or third time they've tried that permutation. They they just can't seem to find the the guy, and it doesn't mean that it's the guy's fault. And you know Zibanejad and Kreider need to pick up their five on five games. There's no question about that. So you know it, these are all interlocking decisions that are going to be made. Can Wheeler stay on on the right side of that line? Do, you know, do they need to get a right wing? Are they going to bulk up their fourth line? I, you know, so there are a lot of a lot of questions to be answered in in uh, before March the eighth. But I think uh, you know the Benino the Benino move was uh, you know was was the first. A tough one. I mean, and Lavi said it. It's a tough day. That's tough. Pro sports aren't kind. Eventually, to to anyone, that's really a difficult thing. But it hasn't really worked. And you could kind of go down the list after that road trip, and they they weren't at their best. There wasn't the same energy. They didn't have, I don't think, enough attitude. And that happens throughout the course of a year. So coming back, you're still kind of adjusting. It'll be a it'll be a big game against against Vegas and and then you got to go right up to Ottawa so it doesn't get any easier until the break but you still got to get some points now they're in a good spot but they're going to tinker and change and try to find lines that can give them long stretches of I think solid play because that's what you have to continue to do and there were long stretches of very vanilla play it looked like in this road trip it's been more than a quarter of the season that they've been a very average team mm-hmm. um you know they're 11 11 and 2 over 24 games mm-hmm. That's kind of that's you look at it and and, you know, their goaltending hasn't uh, risen to the level, you know, we've expected They're you know, they they don't score at all in their bottom six. The Criders advantage connection doesn't score much five on five. Their their line that has carried them all year is is basically even as far as goals for and against. So there, there's a lot, you know, they are in a good spot. Off of their 18 four and one start, they they are in a good in a really good spot, but they need to be a lot better, and they need to be a lot better consistently, a lot better. They need to they need to be harder to play against. And this is what I've you know we've talked about. I I've written about almost all year, even when they were playing well, that you were looking ahead to the playoffs and you knew they're going to have to be much, a much harder team to play against and it's difficult to to make that transition in the middle of a season when you're staring at cap issues and so you can't you can't just transform the entire team you can't say tomorrow and this is just hypothetical we're going to trade Mika's advantage at tomorrow you can't he has a no move clause yeah and he's not you know you know so you can you you can't go you can't you know what we're getting rid of Kreider I'm sorry I don't care that he scores 40 goals we're getting rid of Kreider because we have to change the look of the team. You can't. He has a no move. 
So I don't think it's about it's not like, you know, it's not like it was 30 years ago where you could change teams yeah. in the middle of a season. Um, and, and especially on this team with so many mo- no move clauses. And it's not only this team. I was I was looking last week in Minnesota. You figure, you know, you start looking at teams that are probably out and are probably going to be sellers. And you see, you know, Ryan Hartman, you know, okay. There's a no move clause. Now, would he be way, you know, would he be willing to move it to, to come to New York? Maybe, but, but you see that, that every got term too, though, like these are, he's dealing with this, this conversation is like, I guess it's, I guess it's very New York, (laughs) which is great, which I love. It's, what can we get? What can we get? I mean, I, I look at the team on paper and I look at these guys when they're at their best, right? As a as a fan of the team and covering the team. They have it there. They don't have to do a whole lot. Like Chris Tree doesn't have to do a lot. They have to they have to show him, you know, what they're capable of. They've they're eleven and eleven and two because of the a talent, the talent on the roster. And having played not up to their standards, that's they're still 11, 11, and two, they're still not, they're not drowning themselves because they have that much talent. It's just a little bit of like what you said, the harder to play against or whether it's a emotional fatigue or whatever you want to call it in terms of playing 82 games is, is hard on your body physically, but hockey guys are tough. I'm, I'm going to say that sound like a clown, whatever, but it's true. <laughs> the hard part is the mental part trying to get up because when you're going into the shark tank against a bad team, they want to beat the Rangers. And understanding that is you, you can say all the right things, but it's hard. You can't fake that. And there's a little bit of uh, emotional maturity that has to go on because you need to figure it out now, play that way, believe it or not, the last stretch of the year, because you can't, when it comes down to the playoffs, you could do it for a series, but you, you condition yourself and you will run out of energy in the second round if you're not conditioned to do it all year long. So right. I think it's between the years. And that's why Laviolette over the summer talked about playing playoff type hockey starting in training camp because you cannot simply turn on the switch. My 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 question about them is do they have enough players who play playoff style hockey? And I'm not looking only at, at the first 50, 46 games of this year or the last 24 games. I'm going back to two years ago where they were at their best. You know, they they were as close to being at their best as as they could be. And so they take and 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 listen, we know Ryan Strom um was dealing with injuries. Andrew Coppa had some sort of an injury, but every team, you know, every team is gonna I'm still injured injuries in the conference finals. So <laughs> right, they're up two nothing against Tampa, playing as well as they could, two nothing in games, two nothing in the score of game three, and they couldn't get to the net for the next four games. They couldn't score. They scored, you know, five goals in the final four games. One of them was at even strength. And the even strength goal, five on five goal, came from Ryan Lindgren flinging a puck from the half boards on the left side that mm-hmm. went in. So they they had no attack their final four games when Tampa just muscled up, did you know, drove into Shesterkin every chance they get, crashed the net, the Rangers couldn't get to the net and the Rangers couldn't keep Tampa from getting to their own net. And that's what I look at is that that's where the Rangers have to improve. And I'm not sure that they have. I'm, I'm not sure that they have enough players who are going to get to the net and score those kinds of goals in the conference finals. That's, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I, it is a talented team, 
but it's not a talented, it's not as talented team, say, as Colorado, right? You know, so you're not talking about the most elite talent in the world here. You're talking about a talented team that may or may not have the necessities to win in the conference finals. And that's that's all I'm looking at. I'm not yeah. looking at whether they're going to finish in the top seven of the league. And listen, they're a good team. They've been a fun team to watch for a few years. You know, they they mm -hmm. People shouldn't have such short memories that they don't remember 19, you know, that they don't remember 2019 or, you know, 2018, 19. I mean, you know, the Rangers bounce back fairly quickly. You know, you take a look at at teams around the league. How many years has Buffalo been out of it? How, you know, I, it just oh, takes yeah. a decade, it's like decade they haven't been in. So, and, and the Rangers kind of turned it around. Um, and they're and and they're back, you know, they're they're back contending for something. But what they're contending for, I'm 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 not positive because I just don't see enough of those players on this roster, and I and I and I think that's that's going to be their um, that's going to determine their fate. Can they get to the net in in, in the third round? So Can I think they score five on five yeah. um, in the third round um, because they've been having trouble scoring five on five now. That's been been clearly documented because you know they're 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 not a great five and five team we still haven't seen that improvement but i mean i, I you guys kind of hit on it and that's something that that i'm curious what your bold takes are because now we're kind of getting to that halfway point um or at least the all-star break the unofficial halfway point of the season the first 24 games uh rangers or i'm sorry first 23 games rangers 18 4 and 1 last 24 games 11 11 2 who are the real 2023 2024 new york rangers is it the team we saw in the first 23 games or is it the team we, we've seen in the last 24 or is it a mix of both you know where do you guys feel stand on that well look so i think your goalie can be better it's not where he historically is is at he can be better i think your top line there there's something there that is again five on five that like the ability didn't go away they can play so I'm excited to see after a little rest what happens with that. I think you have whatever your second line could be your top line there. They're very effective. Now they've shaken it up a little bit, but Trochik Panarin has been a, a hit. And I think that's going to continue to be a hit. You're getting an emergence from Cooley. If you can find some consistency, like Adam Fox, I think is, is almost all the way back to being yeah. as dominant as he's been. And there, there's been some, drop off like Gustafson was great in Fox's absence offensively especially he might have had his worst game against San Jose that happens I think the D can be better they've been better in the past so I think they're better than what they're showing now for sure I, I honestly think they can be that team in, in the first 23-24 games I honestly do if they have and, and some of their warts can be hidden when Igor really finds his game and gets in a groove Eric Gustafson has, has been one of the best signings of the free agency and there's no yeah. question about that he's he's been a good player for them at eight what is he 825 yeah um you know it's 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 been a bonanza but i would prefer to having a bruising yeah oh yeah guy in that spot i just i you know that's so that's what i look at and like he's had a terrific season he's and i and i wrote um this morning he's one of it's either five or six players to me who have exceeded expectations. They only have five or six players who have exceeded expectations. And Gustafson's one of them. There's no question about it. But is he there? Is but is is that the the model you want playing 
on your third pair of left D. I that it, it's not for me. And listen, if they go into the playoffs with Gustafson, they have a pretty good player there. But I, I would rather let me ask you this: if if I can get player. if I can get if I can get Keandre Miller to be a little meaner, because he can be. There's times he can blow someone up, and he he has a good stick, and he's got all the tools. If he starts playing meaner, you can live with Gustafson on that third pair at lefty, don't you think? Or do you want you want every pair to have somebody that can? Because Schneider can play hard. Schneider can play hard. I don't think I don't think Schneider is as physical as he was advertised he was going to be when he came up. He's incredibly I'm, strong. Look, I'm not putting this on a, you know, saying this 22 year old or 23 right. year old has to be better. Has to be better. But I don't think I don't I don't think he's quite as physical as we were led to believe. Having played against him, he Schneider's could be. An interesting. I think Schneider's really an interesting case because I think he has a lot more to give. I think there's a lot of upside there, but he is locked into this third pair role, and there, you know, in you know, unless something unforeseen develops, that's where he's going to be. For the next couple of years, right? I mean, he's not unless, not unless Adam he starts mean. getting real he's, mean, right? So I just wonder if if there's you know there's something subconscious there, and I brought it up with Laviolette maybe a month ago or three or four weeks ago when when he moved up in a game because uh, there was an injury in a game, uh, or Truba went out. It was a game that Truba went out, and so and, and Schneider moved up, and I thought he played his best game of the year. Because he was getting he was getting more minutes, and I asked Laviolette about this, and you know it was you know he answered is the way he you know he he answered it, um, but I do think there's kind of a ceiling on Schneider, and, you know he can't get more minutes. How is he going to get more minutes? They're going to you're not going to take minutes away from Truba. You're not going to take minutes away from Fox. And I agree. I think the last couple of games, Adam, the last few games, Adam is 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 back on his game. Um, and, and one of the interesting things about where the Rangers are is that there is so much room for growth for so many of their players, yeah. so, so much room for improvement with so many of their players while they're still in first place. You know, they, they, you, know, they, you, know you talk about, you know, I always have this um, debate with myself and, you know, whoever wishes to debate me. <laughs> When is there, when is it the time to take a step back so you can take two steps forward later on in the year? It's like, what is the game early in the season that you're willing to lose so you give younger players more minutes so that they are better in three weeks or in six weeks or in nine weeks? And I kind of think, well, you have to always be looking ahead. You can't be myopic. But then at the same time, you look at the standings and you see how important every single point is. And you understand why a coach will go back to a veteran time and time again, because there's trust in that in that guy instead of going with the young kid who doesn't have a track record yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not unique to people who are coaching the New York Rangers. You know, it's not. It's all over the it's league. Not unique to, it's not even unique to hockey, and it's not unique to hockey. Well, so who's the best? Who's the best that's ever done that? And this is to your point too. What you just a, a part of your point. The best, the best that's ever been able to understand that, and they did it in the off season. Was in my opinion, um, was Belichick, and he did it in the off season. He'd cut guys a year earlier than you thought. You're like, this guy has another year to do this. But what was Belichick? He wasn't just the head coach. He ran the team too. True. He had that freedom to like, we're going with this guy, and you cut Welker because you have Edelman. No one really knows Edelman. 
you know, he did things like Richard Seymour, Lawyer Malloy, all these guys they got rid of. It's not a football podcast, but like it's hard when you're the head coach and you're not the GM to be like, I'm giving this guy more minutes. But you know who you know who did it? It did it in camp a lot is Torts. Mm. Torts is we're getting younger. I'm giving this guy the ball. And then he would give you the yeah, ball but, and run but, with it. But, and but then in the but then it. in the playoffs, he would he would he would play thirteen players. <laughs> right? Because yeah, you're not tired. He would go with nine and four or eight and four. I mean, he would cut down in the, the first period. The, you know, the, the, yeah, the, when Gabrick was killing penalties, like, I was like, can I just get out there for a shift? Well, the best was in that, that what was it, the triple overtime game yeah, in Washington? Washington. Stu Bickle. Stu Bickle played four minutes. Did he get four? I thought he was like, I got to look this up now. Hold on. And I, I will find this. He would go down the bench to him. In the third, he just kind of pat him on the back. He's like, "Yeah, you're too far gone now." And Bixie was like, "Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine." And then like every OT, he just at the beginning of OT, he'd come back and smack him on the back. He's like, "Hang in there, Bix," and that was it. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, every overtime. But, he didn't, you know, but 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 and and again, you know, we, we don't need to make this about torts. But I thought as spectacular a job he did in that season was as. Less impressed was 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 kind of the inverse of what he did in the playoffs. I I think he cut down the bench so quickly. Yeah, we were out. We had so yeah, we, early yeah. that once you once you got dragged into those once you got dragged into that second seven game series, you were done. You you had no chance. And, and you know whether you would have. I mean, I thought always thought that you lost the twenty twelve cup when you didn't win game four in Washington. I thought you needed to, you, you should have taken out Washington in five games and then you would have had some rest. You would have been, you know, you would have been rested. You would have been waiting for the Devils instead of just going right into the Devils series where you were, you know, on kind of on fumes, had to go seven against, a, a, you know, a Washington team that really wasn't as good as you were. And, you know, I, I just thought having to play 14 games, the first two rounds, yeah. We were you know, guest with the way with the way the personnel was being managed, you know, you know, kind of eliminated you from from your best um, from your best performance, from your best chance. Well, especially because we couldn't get a four check. Doesn't help. Marty. Stu Bickle, three minutes, 24 seconds. He yeah. had three shifts. Not yeah. to be outdone by you, Brian, with your 31 minutes and five seconds. So that was, uh, I think, my second game back from a concussion. Was that really? And I had a broken elbow still. The whole rest of that playoff, and uh, or like ripped off bone, the ligaments were screwed up, and it tore off some of the bone in the elbow. So I was walking around with my arm taped. It was like not many degrees of of uh, range of motion, and I remember getting actually back to the bench at one point. Torch was yelling at me for missing a pass in my skates. I couldn't move my arm. I threw a water bottle at him. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love that guy. He, I mean, he was the best. But yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a tough, it's tough to win in the playoffs. So under the yeah. best circumstances, right? We're first in the East, right? It's hard to win in the playoffs and how it, you need to get breaks. So you got to be at your best and you got to be at your best starting, you know, probably now post all-star break. Well, that's the most important thing. And, you know, you hate to see it when, especially on this past road trip, the Rangers give up points and they weren't doing it intentionally like you both were mentioning where, you know, you're not trying to lose in, in overtime to the Sharks or, you know, but the one thing that I do want to bring up from that road trip, because it, it I'm not saying it was out of character of Lobs, or at least I, I thought it was um, in the post game, uh, the post game scrum where he's talking about the overtime loss where Mika got picked and, you know, that 
terrible, terrible way to, to end the game. Um, and Lav said, yeah, the officials missed two picks that, that should have been called. Just because we'll bring it up quickly because it just happened a couple days ago. His Lav's right. Like, did the Rangers get screwed there at the end in terms of, um, you know, illegal plays, do you think? He's not wrong, mm-hmm. but you got to know where they are. You can't get picked. It's sort of like, you, you know, the first one, okay, but the second one, you got to understand where everybody is when you're that close to your own net on a three on three. It's not a five on five. There's not a ton of bodies. You got to understand. You got to find a different route. And it's like a crossing route and uh, crossing route in football, man. They just, you try to create space and they did that. And it was a great, it was a great finish. Great pass from uh, Ruto, which I was surprised he didn't bang it right into Igor. But, you know, those things happen. That's that intensity and that emotion that you need, like when you're emotionally invested and you're that intense, you see all these things and you compete and you do not let yourself get picked. Again, to lose to a not good team like that, it is what it is. They're a bad uh, team. You can call them a bad team. <laughs> I mean, a bad yeah, team. I mean, they're a bad team right now. And they're hopefully they're better soon. I like Mike Greer. I like David Quinn. Yeah. I mean, you know, and of course, another former Ranger scores on the Rangers, which, you know, par for the course here. What's, what else is new? Third of the year, I think, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Turn it on, of course, against the Rangers. That's how it goes. Well, listen, Larry, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much, as always, for coming on. Uh, we know you'll be in Toronto, I believe, correct? You're going for the All-Star break? I will be. I will you be. be. Yes. All right. So everyone stay tuned to Larry's coverage for all the Trocheck and Igor Shesterkin news that will be coming out of Toronto. Uh, Larry, appreciate you coming on, as always. Thanks. Sure, guys. Coming up next, we got Brian with his boiling point, and then we'll talk a little bit about his all-stream experience right here on the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. And now it's time for the boiling point. Brian, what's boiling your point this week? Well, it just, it really, I'm preempting this because I know it's going to happen. Some dope, some bozo is going to go online and complain about like the lack of intensity at the all-star game. This isn't real hockey. Well, guess what? It's not real hockey. It's an all-star game. It's for the kids. Like don't complain about the all-star game. Okay. Don't like, if you have a problem, you don't have to watch it. I want you to watch it. I mean, I think it's really, really entertaining and the kids love it. You get all these guys together showing off their skills in the skill competition, which I think is going to be awesome. But then the game itself, guys are driven to make the NHL and they're driven, especially the successful ones, to win the Stanley Cup, to help their team get in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. The All-Star game doesn't help them do that. So you have to understand it's going to be a touch lower of an, on the intensity scale. Stop complaining about it and stop tweeting about it and, and writing posts about it, you nerds. Enjoy the All-Star game. Sorry if Andrew, you or Jake ever did that about an All-Star game, but that's my take. Back in the podcast here, and because the All-Star game is coming up and we have our own All-Star on the podcast here, it's only appropriate that we get to take a trip into Brian's uh, experience at the 2018 All-Star game, which, Brian, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of memories, emotions, uh, whether you're a Ranger fan, a Devils fan, a you know, Lightning fan, or just a fan of hockey, I think that your story that year captivated so many people that... I think everyone was rooting for you personally, especially once once you didn't make the team and get in there. So I, I I think we'll just start here. I mean, 
your journey that season there was a lot going on obviously your 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 health issues um your son had health issues and and yet you know you came back to the ice you you played with the devils you you know were able to be an active player which i think was a lot impressive for a lot of people so that year starting off i guess could you have ever imagined where after your diagnosis um that you would have gone to the all-star game representing the devils I had a weird feeling I was going for whatever reason. It was in Tampa before the season, and then I got sick, so I did not think so. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, when I came back and was able to play after I got diagnosed, it was just like one of those things. Everything was kind of going in the net. I had a really good start, and I got to play. And again, we talked about it earlier. We talked about it with your emotional investment and how much like playoffs I loved because I could, you, you just get so excited to play, and you play a lot of hockey games, but when it's, seemingly taken from from you at one point and you might not play again then you're like oh I, i'm gonna be all right and i can play again like everything it's just a little pep in your step man it's it's hard to explain but that adrenaline and that emotion that positivity was was really great but then like the franchise itself with the devils how they treated me how the from everybody who worked there including the coaching staff and the general managers and all of the fans and i know like you know, I got a lot of love from Rangers fans. I got a lot of love from everyone around the league. It was really remarkable. Teams, players, fans. It was uh, never entered my mind that there was any sort of pressure. It was just me being able to go play and people were, you know, setting aside their rivalries and, you know, rooting for something that I think was was bigger than hockey, really. And, it, you know, you hear stories like this and, and you love to hear good outcomes i mean you know when oscar lindblom got sick and then he got to come back and play so soon it was really i was like emotional about it. i was so happy for the kid and um stuff like that was was so impressive to me i i I'd always it really meant a lot whether people just sent a text or something and and that was uh that, that was just like me understanding how thankful and grateful and how lucky i was to be able to do what I got to do for so long, even if it was taken away from me, people reaching out. And so then getting to play, getting to go down there. Yeah. That was a little bit, a little bit of a hectic day and a day and a half. Well, who, so you replaced Taylor Hall. How did you find out that you were the replacement? Because I mean, you know, there's, there were other guys on, on, on the devils. I'm sure that that could have gone down and represented the club. Um, but yeah, again, like you mentioned, you know, you, you had this, this feeling in your mind that there was a chance you, you were going to go to the all-star game just because it was, it was in Tampa, but you know, finding out how, how did that whole process go? Who, um, who delivered the news to you? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't really think I was going to play in it. I just thought it, for whatever reason, I was going to be down there. And I was in the hospital with my son. He was going through some more treatments and it was really not pleasant. And I got a text message and, um, I'd come back and this was like maybe a week before I forget what it was, but they're like, we need a, we need an answer. So I came back, I had a game and talked to Halsey. Halsey, I think was Taylor Hall's like the first guy to come up to me. He's like, this is so awesome. I'm so happy you're going. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. You can't go to the all-star game. Like you're, and he won the MVP that year. And yeah, it was just such a great guy and a great move by him to let me know. And then they're like, Hey, we kind of need to know the answer. And my son had to go back mm. to the hospital again. And we didn't expect that one. And it was, so this was a big surgery. He was going to go under and he was in the ICU. He was under for more than, I think it was probably 36 hours or something. And it was really difficult to leave. Well, I never left until he woke up and I had to leave this one. So I told my wife right when they told me, I'm like, I'm not going where I'm doing this. 
and she wouldn't let me. She said, you have to do it. And, uh, it was not easy getting on the plane and my dad ended up coming with me. He was really saying like, you gotta go, you gotta go. And, and, you know, in hindsight, they were both right, but I was just like, I can't leave them. This is stupid. This is like, and then, you know, they tried to tell me, you know, it's not just for you and we're going to have memories. I do have a memory on my phone of him waking up and watching the oh, intros and stuff that were, that were pretty sweet. And he was still, he was still only two years old, uh, but he's up talking and he's got all these tubes connected to him. And um, so I'm like, I had my phone on the bench trying to take some photos of guys I knew and being on the ice, knowing I wasn't, knowing I wasn't going to be back there. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, my wife sent me that and I'm like, about to do the skills thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> I gotta get off the ice. So I actually had one of the Tampa trainers pour a couple of beers in a Gatorade bottle. And I started swigging the beer out of the Gatorade bottle. <laughs> Did you really? I'm like I got to wow. calm down here after the skills session. Is that why you came in second place, Brian? <laughs> I had that thing one. I missed my easiest <laughs> shot, dude. High blocker. I could do that in my sleep and I missed it. I hit the post and then Besser came in and he clipped me by just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, still, I mean, everything going on at that point, at least emotionally and mentally, the fact that you were able to compete and still put on a pretty damn good show to the point where you almost did win. I mean, that's that's impressive in and of itself. Um, one of the things I, I mentioned to you, because um, I knew that we'd be talking about this before uh, the show, is that I was looking at just old clips, um, the reception that you were getting down in Tampa, and you you, you could just tell the love that they felt for you and, and that, that they still feel for you, that um, I believe it was during the the skills competition or the um you know the the, the competition day where um they would pan to you on the jumbotron and then everyone would go crazy and then they'd pan off and then they would either boo or like not acknowledge and then to go back to you like what is that feeling like essentially that that just outpouring of love that i mean granted it's it's, it's a lot of tampa bay fans i'm sure because that's that's where the game is but there's also other hockey fans there that you were able to unite you know an entire hockey fan base to be rooting for you. I mean, that's, that's wild. That doesn't happen too often for players. Uh, I, yeah, it was a weird feeling to be quite honest. Not, I'm like, I kind of wanted it to be done with cause there's so many great players there and they really, they put on a show, you know, I, I love the all-star game. They had a profound effect on me and I'll never forget it. Right. I have, you know, I love my time in New York and then that all-star game, just because everything that went on, my wife said, I got two frames. I'm going to frame your jerseys. I, I never really collected anything or framed anything. And, so in my office is the painting with me in Tampa, which I really, really love my time there. And then I got Rangers here. And then over my right shoulder is, is the all-star game Jersey, just because of what everyone had to, uh, what everyone had to go through. So I could go and play there. And, you know, the, the devils for thinking of me, geez, you think it would be, it'd be easy to talk about this many years later. Uh, six years later or whatever it is, but it, it was like my wife just hunkering down in a hospital with my, my daughter who was six, seven months old at the time, just kind of along for the ride in her, in her stroller, my mom helping out. So my dad could come with me because my dad did everything, you know, I'm one of 13 kids and we didn't have a ton of excess cash to put it plainly, but being able to like everything he did for me growing up to play the game, um, so him coming down and enjoying that. My brother was in school. He drove over. He was in St. Pete. He drove over with his buddy. So just having a couple of people there to share it with, but most importantly, my dad, 
would have loved to have my whole family, but it was such a quick turnaround. And, you know, I love the people in Tampa. They were so good to me. It was weird being on a different team. And then later that year, playing them in the playoffs, <laughs> I didn't get as many cheers then. It was just remarkable. And it's hard to play when that's all going on. But I really, I'll never forget those two days. Oh, we'll give special props to Mrs. Boyle on this one for uh, hunkering down, being the the teammate that uh, you've had a lot of teammates, but I'm sure she's probably your favorite one that that you have uh, so far. And listen, the, the only thing, speaking of teammates, is that the main memory that I have in my mind from the actual All-Star game, uh, and this, again, popped up just doing a lot of research on um, on, on the All-Star game itself, there was a play with uh, Claude Giroux where he has a breakaway, and I, I think this is in the first or whatnot, and he looked back to to possibly pass it to you, but instead of passing back, he took the shot. Did you ever have to bring anything up to him? Like, dude, come on, man. This is this is like no, my one so time. He, he was unreal. And uh, <laughs> he like offered to play with me. And I'm like, I'm confident in what I can do. <laughs> and especially in three on three, like every guy who's in the NHL has skill level and can play. He was trying to get me a goal so bad. They just wouldn't let me like I was and it was the Tampa guys I was playing with. And they just took me away the whole way. I was so bad. They were like, you wore out. You're welcome here. You're done. G ends up finishing and scoring. He's, he's like apologizing to me. Uh, I'm like, no, dude, don't. I'm not like it's close to a make a wish, but I'm not a make a wish kid. Like this is like I can play a little like we'll figure it out. And I, I actually had a I beat Carlson wide and tried to put it between my legs and score on Vassie and he saved me and I yelled at him and he's laughing. So, I mean, guys are still going to compete. That's that, that, you know, maybe not to the level of a regular season because no one wants to get hurt, but there is still, there's some pride on the line still. It was a special moment and special game. Thank you for sharing that with us and everything. And uh, we'll be looking this, uh, this upcoming all-star game for a special moment with uh, either Trocek or Shesterkin. So we'll have to see, but yeah, something that uh, I'm glad we got to talk about and uh, thanks for sharing it. And uh, we're going to close out the show next. First one was in LA, and uh, Snoop Dogg performed on the ice, and I, that was probably my highlight. <laughs> a little different in Toronto. Yeah, I think so. Maybe, maybe get Drake. Mm-hmm. Be a little colder too. Yeah. And that'll put a bow on episode 142 of the Up in the Blue Seats podcast from the New York Post. But as always, before we get out of here, we gotta dish out some stars. Brian, I'm gonna let you go first this week. Who do you got? Uh, take number three, Will Cooley. I like where his game's trending. I like how he goes in straight lines. I like that line, even though it looked like they got broken up today. Uh, That is a player that is going to continue to get better as long as he keeps doing the same things. He'll finish more. He'll get more chances. He'll get more ice. Good third star. Uh, My number two star, I'm going to go Trocek. And I know you usually take him, but this week I'm going to take him. (laughs) Uh, He made the All-Star game fully deserving uh, as an injury replacement. Um, You can tell he's very excited about it, especially saying that uh, he's excited to do this one. Uh, with his family there and um you know that's 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 really again after your whole experience at the all-star game that you shared with us getting to see and, and hear that from trocek about him uh, and exciting to share with his uh that's really exciting so uh and fully deserving too it's not like he's he's you know someone that they just kind of plucked off the team like trochi fully deserves this as we spoke about in the podcast oh so. yeah Congrats to you, Troach. Uh, Brian, your number one star of the week. Number one, uh, you got Adam Fox. He's back. Get excited. He's back. Get excited, as everyone should be excited. It's so important to this team. And I'm going to do an honorable star this week. It's uh, it's it's a big one. It's a milestone. 2,000 NHL games going out to Cass Marks. Brian, you've you've shared quite a bit of time with him, I'm sure. So that's that's quite the accomplishment, especially spending that much time in the league. Yeah. Yeah, he's unreal at his job. He's he, and it's not easy to do that. That and 
his work ethic, everything he's done for those players, the amount of different equipment he can come up with. It's wild what this guy can do. He's a wizard back there. So, yeah, good for him. Congrats to Cass. What's, like, the one memory you have of him? Do you have anything that comes to mind initially? The amount of, like, I remember, like, Glenn Sather being back in his room every day, telling him he's got to sew on these shot blockers on the gloves, while also, like, showing him parts of his new house that he was building, either in Banff or, I mean, Slats was the best. And Cass was just like, all right, we can't talk about this if you want me to sew all these things up. <laughs> and you have to go through every, and guys have two, three pairs of gloves. So just think about all the sewing you have to do. It's, uh, yeah, he, he's certainly a hard worker. He's in his lab in the back of the training center, just working away. He never stopped. Well, congrats to Cass. One of those guys behind the scenes that is just as important as management and all those other guys that you see out there. So uh, big ups to him. Time to close it out. So uh, as always, Jake, thanks for Jake Brown for producing the show. As always, uh, catch up on all the episodes of the podcast by subscribing to Up in the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching us right now on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, give us a thumbs up. Comment below. What are your memories of Brian and the All-Star game? I mean, again, he he united Rangers and Devils fans, which is like, like just doesn't happen. So, I mean, you got to have some good memories of that. So uh, comment below. Let us know. Maybe we'll read a couple on the air next week. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter or X. And Molly's not here to correct me this week, so it's X. Uh, at BryBrowse22 and at Andrew Hartz without an E. Uh, for Brian Boyle, Larry Brooks, I'm Andrew Hartz. We appreciate you guys listening. Tuning in, as always, to Up in the Blue Seats All season long. We'll be back next week. Later.